0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit IBM.com/slash hybrid cloud.
2: up Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today we've got family day recap for you. That'll be our lead story. After the lead story, we'll pick back up with a deeper dive into the rest of the notes that we've got on today's training camp practice. And we'll wrap up with catching up on the countdown to kickoff. As always, you can find the podcast on Himalaya on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify and wherever you take your podcast on a daily basis. Now you're locked on Bengals lead story. I'm Jake Lisko, along with Joe Goodberry. Today was family day at Paul Brown Stadium, and more than 7,000 fans showed up. All there for family activities, autographs, and to take in the practice. And that is what is the most noteworthy for us. They didn't see John Ross, who remains day-to-day, according to Zach Taylor, or Kavari Russell, who remains sidelined with an undisclosed injury. On the positive side... There were no additional injuries reported today, so that's good news. But there is a question mark around Giovanni Bernard's non-participation in practice today. He doesn't have any injury that's been reported, but according to Family Day eyewitness Ken Vorise on Twitter, he was dressed but a non-participant in practice today. This is, of course, amongst a report that his agent was in Cincinnati and some whispers coming up that he's on the trading block. It's something to keep a close eye on. Instead, Trevion Williams got a lot of work with the second unit, and mixed him with the ones throughout practice, but especially noteworthy as a third down back in the Giovanni Bernard role in the two-minute drill to close out practice.
1: And if you're a Giovanni Bernard fan, this is a bit concerning because... We know the, the contract for Joe Mixon extension is on the horizon. Can you pay two running backs? Not that they're going to pay Mixon now, but point being, a lot of teams don't want to pay one back, let alone two. Is Giovanni Bernard's time up in Cincinnati? Could they be, be exploring a trade? I think when they invested in two running backs in the draft, one of them being coached by Jim Turner in college, It makes you think that maybe that guy can step in. I'm talking about Travion Williams, and if he was playing today in a key role with the number ones, if he's replacing Giovanni Bernard, um, it might be a different shift for this running game in 2019. With no reported injury for Giovanni Bernard, it is interesting that he didn't practice considering guys that have a history of being injured, like Tyler Eifert, did practice, and Billy Price, just being activated yesterday, practiced as well.
2: With Rodney Anderson's recovery reportedly going well, this is a storyline that's evolving and something that we'll keep an eye on. It might just be a lot of smoke. There might be some fire. Also noteworthy today after practice, Zach Taylor said that they need some more work in pads before they're ready to play Kansas City. This in his post-practice interview. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. We need more working pads. You know, I think it's good. I, I think you start to see things slow down for guys these last three days. And so both sides of the ball have they've gotten better every single day with the targeting, their hand placement, pad level. So, uh, you know, we're going to need a couple more before we play the Chiefs on, on next Saturday. But so far, uh, happy with the progress those guys are making. Later on in the interview, Zach Taylor said that they are adding a padded day. They'll have two more, so they're off on Sunday. They're back on Monday and Tuesday. Those will both be padded practices before they scale things down on Wednesday. Also noteworthy is that they didn't run a scrimmage on family day this year. They worked a lot of situational drills, and Zach Taylor said that he feels better about installing things with situational awareness than just going through a mock game.
1: And remember, they had one padded practice rained out, so it makes sense that they're adding one to the schedule now. Uh, I really like today that they focused on red zone and two-minute offense, which I feel like both offense and defense equally had their moments of of shine, while both succeeding. Uh, Jordan Evans had a f- couple of plays, and Jermaine Pratt also at the linebacker position. Meanwhile, Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert in the red zone look good again.
2: Tyler Boyd's really shined throughout training camp, and today is no exception. He beat Tony McRae on a back shoulder, acrobatic toe-tap catch in the end zone for a touchdown, and later on beat William Jackson on a double move that essentially turned into a fade on a good pair of throws from Andy Dalton. Boyd is continuing to work primarily and and maybe exclusively out of the slot, with Josh Malone and Cody Core getting a lot of reps outside, but in the two-minute drill toward the end of practice, we saw Auden Tate and Stanley Morgan mix in with the ones as well.
1: And Josh Malone caught a touchdown pass, and Auden Tate had a nice deep ball and were a contested grab on a double move. So both those guys are um, competing and, and flashing in, in place of John Ross and A.J. Green. But the thing about Tyler Boyd, if he is just going to play the slot, that's still going to be probably 85 to 90% of this offense if they're emulating uh, LA Rams type offense. If it's not Tyler Boyd out on the field, it's going to be A.J. Green and John Ross when those guys are healthy.
2: The last update on stories we've been tracking is the left guard carousel. Today, it was Trey Hopkins getting work with the first team offensive line at various points in practice, even though John Jerry started the day there. Tyler Dragon is speculating that Trey Hopkins is pulled ahead as a favorite. Zach Taylor was also asked about Trey Hopkins after practice today is a steady player. He provides depth at three positions. He's competing for a starting guard spot. Um, you got full faith in him as a center. It sounds like this is still part of their open competition at left guard with the planned rotation of players. So I wouldn't be surprised at all on Monday if it's one of John Jerry or Christian Westerman back out there I think that it's still pretty wide open. Tyler Dragon seems to think otherwise. So we'll see if he's got some inside information there or if it's just Zach Taylor being true to his word that all these guys are going to get a chance to start.
1: Well, they are all getting a chance, aren't they, so far through practices. So I would hope that uh, we each see each one of those three start a preseason game before we know who the starter is for 2019.
2: It'll be interesting to see who comes out with the ones on Saturday. This is their first game a week from today. Yeah. Noteworthy. A week from today, we will have one drive of Bengals number one football to look at. Most likely one drive, that is. I bet
1: the O-line plays a few drives, though, right?
2: It'll be interesting to keep an eye on it. Zach Taylor said that he was going to have the ones out there for four to 15 plays, which sounds like one drive to me. That sounds like one drive at uh, least four, right? I think that it, depending on the guy, they might get some extended, extended looks. Maybe they rotate left guard throughout the game. So they all sure. get tape to look at technique. They can work on whatever it is. Um, That's why yeah. I think
1: Jerry might get the first start. John Jerry gets the first start. If they go seven plays, okay, you're out of there. We don't see you again. You're old. We know what you are anyways. Uh, And you, you, you can give maybe Hopkins the next reps. He gets 20 or so for the rest of the half or whatever it is, and then let Westerman take the entire second half, get the most film on him, let him show what he's got, and then you probably flip it the next week.
2: Yeah, in the next week they'll probably play a quarter. Although Zach Taylor is coming from an L.A. Rams team that didn't play their starters really at all last preseason. He was asked about that, and that's when we got the 4-15 to plays quote. And he (laughs) said, I think especially in year one, we're going to have to get these guys out there so we can get some tape on them, some live action to evaluate.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, he doesn't mean year one players. He means year one in this system for the team.
2: Year one coaches,
1: <laughs> right? That too. They need to call plays.
2: Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and continue to summarize and note the interesting things that came out of training camp today. And then we'll wrap up with the countdown to kickoff. We'll be right back.
3: This is Ross Jackson from locked on saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana in the age of online retailers. Buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car.
0: All the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at My Bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. And we're back with the Lockdown
1: Bengals podcast. Jake and Joe here is the Bengals wrap up family day. That's D E Y. Actually I didn't know that it was family day like Did that. Did you say D U I? D-E-Y. It's not D A Y. I know. I just I maybe misheard you. <laughs> oh, maybe I said it wrong. But you know what? I, I it's it's so obvious, right? Why wouldn't they use that? And then when I saw it today, I was like, ah, yes, that's right. So little little moment of of clarity for me today. Of, uh, just yes, of course they're using day instead of day. Anyways, um, so a lot of notes, a lot of fun stuff from practice today. A lot of interesting things I think in in terms of. What we touched on before with Giovanni Bernard not being out there, really the only guy that reportedly, and I say reportedly because he's not reportedly otherwise not healthy. He's, they're not saying he's injured. They're not saying anything wrong with him. Um, I, I do wonder what's going on, and I, I hope it's an injury because I do think they could use him, and, and there will be a point this year where if they don't have him, they may want to have him. I guess a lot of that depends. For me, I look at this roster, and I say behind Joe Mixon, it would be a very young inexperienced group and I know rookies that especially at running back can play right away and Travion Williams seems to have been able to show he can as he was out there in the two-minute drill today picking up blitzes and pass protection and catching passes I mean that's an important Giovanni Bernard role and if he's doing it to a satisfactory level then yeah why pay Bernard a veteran salary so uh, I get it but I think Rodney Anderson also if he gets healthy it really applies the pressure on that position and forces a decision on Bernard a little, maybe a year earlier than we expected.
2: The interesting thing about Travion Williams picking up blitzes to me is that he might actually know his responsibilities better than Gio does because of his coach. And we talked about the fact that Jim Turner coached him and coached that running game at Texas A&M. He might know the general protection schemes better than, than Gio does. Gio has a lot more experience, but Both of them are built similarly. They're both small guys relative to NFL players. And if Travion Williams is willing and has the technique and knows the protections, there's no reason that he couldn't step in and start and do those jobs as a rookie, like he said. So something really interesting to keep an eye on. I I know we both really like Giovanni Bernard, think he's been underused probably the last couple of years, especially in Cincinnati. It would hurt to see him go. Because of how how much excitement there was when he was drafted, they badly needed a player like that, and he's been good. And he's been good,
1: right? One other point on Trayvon Williams and Jim Turner connection, and I think I made this when he was drafted. I made this point, but I'll repeat it for new listeners or people that may have forgotten. When a running or when an O line coach advocates advocates for his running back to be drafted or, or come with him that's a clear sign that that running back is following the scheme, knows where to hit his holes, knows when and where, uh, and pass protection. He's making his offensive line look good. He, the, the O-line coach is a run game coordinator also for many teams, and it looks like he was for Texas A&M. I'm, t- I'm speaking of Jim Turner. So if his running back was productive and made his offensive line look good, yeah, I can see why he would want him on the roster, and it makes perfect sense to me why they think he could contribute this year in a big way.
2: Will be very interesting to watch that position as it evolves throughout the preseason, especially if Rodney Anderson gets back to practices and gets cleared. Because I would love to see Rodney Anderson and Me see too. what he's got. Because he's excited good. about him. Yeah. And it sounds like he looks good. So we'll hope that that carries into practice pretty soon. Let's see some other notes from practice today. Damian Willis continues to be the story, I think, of training camp. He won two times in a row, I think, on -on one-on-ones. He beat William Jackson for a touchdown down there. He just keeps making plays. He keeps getting mixed in with the ones. So does Stanley Morgan. I love what they're doing, mixing in all of these wide receivers with the ones, giving them all a chance to show that they can play with Dalton because really beyond Green, Ross, Boyd, it should be an open competition. Oh yeah, All these guys should have chances to show they belong. This is something that maybe you don't get from Marvin Lewis as much, especially on the it. offensive side of the ball.
1: We were begging to see more Auden Tate last year. Remember that? And even in camp and and there was like, "Oh yeah, he's getting some reps with ones," but it wasn't like this. It wasn't like where you could see people post clips and you can readily see Stanley Morgan out there with with the ones or Damian Willis or Auden Tate now and it's a full-on rotation and mix with Andy Dalton throwing him the ball and um, just speaking and speaking of Audente, yeah, he got a great pass down the down the field today. I mean, this is, it, this is a very different approach than a Marvin Lewis-led team, and I think that's something we've complained about in the past of not trusting rookies, not giving them an the opportunity to make your team better while they're young and cheap and really, you know, before you actually need them, before you allow the guys ahead of them to leave the roster. Now you're forced to play these guys to – Push them in just a little bit at a time. See what you have in them. Develop them at the same time. Man, it, it gets me excited to think that maybe some of these young guys that weren't used last year even or two years are getting a chance now to, to show. And
2: maybe the, maybe there's something more there than we didn't know. We've been conditioned so much to think this is the way the Bengals do things. And maybe we're seeing that the Bengals are doing things a little bit of a different way now at least in terms of evaluating the players on the roster, even if they're signing guys and bringing guys onto the team the same way they used to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's nice to get the transparency you get from Zach Taylor. I've said this numerous times. I love listening to Brian Callahan talk. And if this is a theme that I like it when the coaches talk because I like listening to the interesting things they have to say, that makes a football team a lot more likable and it will make this year a lot more fun, even if they're not winning games. And I think we're all hoping that they win games.
1: And if you didn't catch any of the clips or anything today, go to Twitter, go to John underscore underscore Sheeran and go to the Wander 20, Wanderer 2020, I believe is his, is his mm-hmm. name also. Longtime follower. So uh, I didn't look that up real quick. I just remember it. Anyways, he posted basically, Wanderer posted a clip of every single play. So you can see the entire practice the entire if you practice, want. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of good red zone stuff, especially the angle he had in the A lot of good defensive plays. I noticed Jordan Evans. I noticed Jermaine Pratt. I noticed uh, Jordan Willis and Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson a lot. Carl Lawson to me, if if reports are correct, three padded practices, sounds like he's in his own notebook or in his own mind, competitive guy he is. He's getting three sacks every day. But when you watch, I I easily saw two today, and I thought – and the one on, on Tate Depot, I'm like, yeah, that's a sack. Carl Lawson's got him. Uh, but, you know, he goes around the quarterback, obviously. And I, I'm just like, man, he looks like it might be a changing of guard for that, that front seven. You know, in, in terms of Atkins and Dunlap are good. Atkins is a Hall of Famer. But those guys are 30 and, and above. And Carl Lawson's entering his prime and looks fantastic.
2: Let's set expectations a little bit on Geno Atkins as a Hall of Famer. Geno Atkins has Hall of Fame-level talent. <laughs> let's, you don't let's think he's a Hall of Famer? There. I'm not sure he's there yet. Oh, I think he's. I think he's got the best chance on the team. I think he's got a great chance. I think he has a little bit of work to do. But let's not get into that debate today. Right. Carl Lawson is a monster. He, he's going to yeah. go out there, and if, if training camp is any indication, if he stays healthy, he's going to have a monster year. Maybe he does get up in those lofty sack numbers that he's talking about. He was quoted yesterday as saying he thinks he's an excellent run defender as well. And he'll do (laughs) whatever they ask him to do. He just wants to be out there on the field contributing to his team. And I don't blame him one bit. I'm excited to see it. It's also nice to hear that Jordan Willis and Jordan Evans both flashed today. Jordan Willis with a few sacks, according to Dave Lapham and Dan Horde. And Jordan Evans had a few pass breakups today. Putting that athleticism to use, he was a former corner. These are all notes from Dave Lapham and Dan Horde on their podcast today. If Jordan Evans can put it all together, that's an athletic linebacker that they sorely need to really essentially take snaps from Preston Brown at this point. You know, they're, they're saying that Preston Brown lost weight, but I, I think he's playing. He looks
1: like Preston Brown out there. largely <laughs> like
2: Preston Brown, exactly. Right. It looks like if
1: it, the more he's on the field, the worse your linebacker unit's going to be for it. And that's not because Preston Brown is the worst linebacker in the league. It's just that limitations in today's scheme are, can be exploited. And today's off, offense, as I should have said, uh, can exploit him. But also Jermaine Pratt getting an interception. So these young linebackers are making plays in pass coverage. Jermaine Pratt's also wearing the radio helmet with the backups, calling the plays. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know who that third guy is going to be, but th- these guys are starting to—, to to heat up the competition a little bit.
2: Evans and Pratt both sound like they're having pretty promising camps. Haven't heard Malik Jefferson's name very much, so that's a bit of a letdown. But we'll Paul Dennett did have it.
1: something on him and said for the first time in two years, really, he noticed him.
2: Oh, yeah? Yes.
1: Well, then we those. have
2: heard his name once. Just once. <laughs> that's progress. We'll take progress. I think that is a pretty good summary of today's family day Practice, Tyler Boyd, Damian Willis, stock up. Geo, question marks, is he going to get traded? What's going on? Is he hurt? Why is his agent in town? Jordan Willis, Carl Lawson had a good day. Carl Lawson continues to have a monster, I guess, summer before the season starts. They're still rotating at left guard. That's pretty much it.
1: The rotation at tight end was interesting, too. I think Eifert looked good, looked healthy. They were using him a lot. But it, we saw some Uzama and Sample also, and a lot of Uzama. So um, it, I saw a lot more 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends than I expected. And it's probably because A.J. Green's out, and they're trying to make sure they have everything and get the run game established, yada, yada, all those things. But uh, the red zone and how much Eifert was involved perked me up instantly because he's always been such a... League-wide, good weapon in that part of the field. And if that's the case, again, the Bengals will score points if they get down there.
2: Definitely looks like they like him there. We'll be back after another quick break to continue the countdown to kickoff with a starter for the first time in I don't know how long. Long Stick time. around. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies.
0: Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music.
3: What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like Jay Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win and the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell the stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon music. Let's go.
1: And we are back with segment three countdown. The kickoff continues. And as Jake said in the last segment, it's a starter and we're getting into the, the meat of the thirties. So we are almost a third of the way, two thirds of the way home, I guess we got a third of the players left to go. Uh, and I think this is a guy that has, we have even had questions about him on mailbags on uh, for the weekends of why are people mixed or why do people like him or why do people hate him? And I, to me, he's one of my favorite players. Now he's not a player I was very happy with when they drafted, but he ended up being a guy that was slow cooked the Marvin Lewis way. Right. Yeah, it wasn't until like year three, he finally gets a real chance to play and play significantly, but he has been a playmaker and, in in the run game and pass game and he's an enforcer and he I think he's one of their veterans back there that I wouldn't be surprised if he's wearing the captaincy this year and that's number 36 36 days until kickoff Sean Williams
2: Sean Williams was drafted in the third round back in 2013 which is I think is why we weren't so keen on the pick I think at the time we thought maybe it was a round early maybe two rounds early depending on who you ask yeah He, for the first couple seasons of his career, was behind, who was like, Reggie Nelson was still with the Bengals back then. George Iloka was playing, and he was picked later. Who else was with the Bengals? Well, that's what it was. Chris Crocker um, was still around.
1: They were still using him. But Iloka was picked, I think, two years before or one year Mm -hmm. before. It was one year. One year before Sean Williams. So then when Williams was drafted, Iloka didn't play as a rookie, so we, they went into 2013-2014, not really sure if Iloka was the guy, if Sean Williams was the guy, I think we were all kind of confused as Crocker left at this time, and ended up being Iloka um, winning that job, we didn't see Williams until year three that's right
2: his first two years in 2013 2014 he played a lot but he was on special teams for all those games and then he started getting some start scratching out some starts in 2015 and then of course in 2016 he became a full-time starter 2017 full-time starter he's had injuries though in each of mm-hmm. those years in 2018 i think he was healthy for the whole year right yeah he, he started yeah, all 16 games last year
1: Besides being ejected in week one, I think that's the only reason the snap count was right. under 1,000 snaps.
2: Right. Sean Williams is a Georgia guy, University of Georgia. He was a consumer economics major, for your fun facts. He was a basketball player as well. He played center. I don't know if he quite a center size. Six foot, 212? No. Yeah, that's a weird position for him to In high uh, school? For him to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. He was an All-State player in high school, even though his team was 1-9. and
1: Wow, so he must have been really good.
2: He must have been very standout. He played safety wide receiver and linebacker in high school.
1: Mm. He's 28 years old, so there's still a lot of time for him, man. He must have been young when they drafted him.
2: 28. He's been in the league since 2013, so he must have been 22, right?
1: Yeah.
2: He was Pro Football Focus's 31th. (laughs)
1: Close. You should leave that in. Do not edit it out. I see you over there.
2: Uh, 31st ranked safety in 2018 when you filtered down to safeties that had at least 50% of their team's snaps. For comparison's sake, number 30, we'll get to him in a few days. Jesse Bates was the number nine safety for PFF. And he actually fell down a little bit at the end of the year. Jesse wall. Bates is really really good
1: yeah and I like Sean Williams much more when you have Jesse Bates rather than George Iloka and does that make sense to you because oh, yeah. I, I think uh you know Jesse can play that deep free safety I think I think Sean Williams is fine in a two deep safety look obviously that's not where he's at best but when you, the other guy is, is Jesse Bates with that range I'd like the safety tandem much more and then Bates isn't the the big enforcer type, which I was actually surprised at how well he tackled last year as a rookie, but Williams definitely brings that bulk and that power when he tackles, even though he's missed a lot of tackles over his career, and that's maybe the one big negative for him. Uh, he is that guy that can come down in the box and, and fill that role without a problem.
2: The biggest knock on Sean Williams in 2019 was that he had 17 missed tackles, according to PFF, but so too did Jesse Bates. He had 14. I'm not mm-hmm. going to talk too much about Jesse Bates here, but I did want to point out that Sean Williams, if you sort safeties by their coverage grade, was 16th best. So those of you that think Sean Williams is only good in run defense, he's not used as a deep center field safety type, but when he is asked to drop back into coverage, 16th is pretty good, a pretty good spot. If his, uh, if his tackling grade was a little bit better, maybe if he's more like Devin McCourty than himself in, in tackling, he's going to be more like a top 78 20. overall grade or something like that, or 76 overall grade, which mm. right puts him closer to top 20 for sure. So if he cleans up his tackling a little bit, you've got a really good safety tandem.
1: Yeah, and the thing, too, with his coverage, it doesn't mean that he has to drop deep in coverage. I think when they use him in the middle of the field, when they use him to cover the flats, he flies down on those screen passes. Uh, when he has to cover man-to-man with a linebacker, at, at, you know, when they don't, with the previous scheme, when they didn't want to air out a tight end completely, uh, I thought Sean Williams definitely did his job and held up. That's the second time now in his four years of starting where he's had... He had an 83 coverage grade in 2015 and a 79 coverage grade in 2018. So those are really strong grades, whereas run defense grades have never really been that great besides 2016 being pretty good at 78.
2: He definitely has this reputation as a big box thumper type, and he, he does do that role fairly well, but I think he he must get washed out from time to time. He must the tackling issues reflect in the run defense grade as well. That said... Sean Williams gets an undue amount of distaste from Bengals fans. We've talked about that on the podcast before Mm -hmm. specifically. And I think that when you talk about the strongest position groups on the Bengals, Sean Williams is a big part of why you think that that's defensive backs.
1: And of his snaps, his breakdown, he was in the box last year, 424 snaps. He was at slot corner, 114 snaps. He was split out wide. This is probably chasing a a running back or tight end out wide, 35 snaps. He was at free safety, uh, 395 snaps. So you can see it's pretty even split between box safety and free safety,
2: and uh, that's exactly how I would describe him. That's Sean Williams, number 36 on our countdown to kickoff. 36 days until kickoff. That means that we are one day away from five weeks until the first regular season game in Seattle. It's getting, it continues to get exciting. Every day we get closer, it's on the calendar. It's it's visible. We can see It it coming. I can feel it in my loins. The light is at the end of the tunnel. Blue Chew, right?
1: That's it. That's where the Blue Chew head you comes out.
2: You forgot the Blue Chew reference. That'll do it for today on Locked On Bengals. We're taking Sunday off with the Bengals. We'll be back on Monday when they return to two padded practices before the Chiefs game. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one.
0: Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions?